Welcome to the Everything is Influence podcast. This podcast is dedicated to help you understand why human beings do the things they do and ultimately how you can work with human psychology to influence change and get people to do what you want them to. Whether this is your clients, your prospects, your kids, your spouse, or anyone you come into contact with, this show will give you the tools of influence so that you can become more, unlock your true potential, and serve even more powerfully than you already do. My name is Eli Wild. Let's dive in. So welcome back, everybody, to another outstanding episode of the Everything is Influence podcast, where on every single episode, we dig into the four levels of influence. Level one, how does somebody influence themselves, their values, their discipline, how they think, their influences in their early years, how they become who they are. And then level two, how do they see the process in sales, transferring what's inside of them to other people to get them to take action? How do they do that in groups? And also, how do they do that through process of scale, through speaking and stages uh, in a way that really creates influence at scale to get our messages out into the world. And so it is without uh, any further ado and with great honor, I get to introduce Moira. How are you? I'm so good. I see you avoided saying my surname. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I was thinking like, I, I looked at it, you know, because it pops up here on the screen. And I was thinking, you know, I'm going to, I, I glanced at Moira and I said, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say that. So if you could give us the whole entire name. I'll happily will, but when when I first started speaking, somebody suggested that I change my name, that people weren't going to be able to pronounce it, and they suggested that I called myself Moira Niji, and I kind of thought, I kind of sound like a rap artist or something, but then You're as nice. a trans- as I started on my speaking career, every time I went to go on stage, people would go, Moira Niji, and I ended up being called Moira Niji anyway, so a uh, funny story, but yes, thank you so much for having me here, Eli, I'm really grateful, and I can't wait to have this conversation with you. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's speaking of, my, my real name is Eli Will Hyde, W-I-L-H-I-D-E, but I changed yeah. to Wild just because it's, it's easier, and I love Oscar Wilde, one of my favorite writers. And I like this whole concept of being wildly influential, not hiding Eli will hide. So, so that's it, you know, and you know, that, that goes into kind of what we're going to dig in today, you know, in, in all these episodes, it's about, we get to create ourselves. I remember being years ago at a, at a, an acquaintance's house. And this guy was like a hippie guy. And I was mentioning that I was going to change my name. And he said that he had a, a friend had a three-year-old child and had no name. It's like, well, you know, it's like, he should just get to name himself. He changes his name every week. That kid is probably currently insane, but you know, I thought what a cool concept. So we get to create ourselves. Um, super cool. So if you can let everybody know, we're going to reverse engineer as we, as we do um, on this show, but let people know, like, what are you up to in the world right now? Essentially, what do you do that creates influence in the world? What's your business? What's it all about? Mm. So you know how lots of coaches, consultants get to a certain point in their business and they're thinking, I need to influence more people. I need to get on more stages. I need to speak. Well, I show coaches and consultants and authors how to build a top tier income from speaking super fast. And they can even create a globetrotting lifestyle from that as well if they want. A top tier income while traveling the world through speaking on stages. Yeah. Well, that sounds pretty cool. You know? <laughs> uh, how do you do that for people? How do I do that? Yep. 
Yeah. So basically, I, I really point out to people how there are opportunities to get in front of their ideal audiences all around them. And I think that I really kind of bust the myths with people that they have to be like famous influencers already or have massive profiles before they can start getting on stages and making as much as 100K from one stage and doing it while having a really amazing lifestyle, especially now that we've got this virtual opportunity for us all. Mm -hmm. So you show people how to book these stages. Mm -hmm. and get out there and start speaking. You help them speak and craft a talk and, and all yeah, of that. Yeah, how to craft a talk, uh, a high converting talk, uh, how to create an offer for the stage and what type of offer is ideal for certain stages because you, know, it can, you, can, you can get like all sorts of ways you can make an offer. Um, but ideally, I get them good at one offer to begin with. And once they can see what they can do with that, then they start changing their offers and doing different things themselves, but really get them going on creating one good offer that they can see how they could add an additional six or even multiple six figures to their bottom line. Oh, wow. That's, that's significant. And these people are, are they speakers already? Are you training them in the speaking too? Yeah, you, you know what's interesting about that question? I think that many people are speakers already, but they, just because they're not in, on a big stage in front of thousands of people, they don't necessarily take on the identity of a speaker, but they're mm -hmm. delivering countless like live trainings to their community. They have their own Facebook group where they're always delivering trainings there. They possibly do, um, they do um, speaking engagements for their local networking groups. Some of them even have podcasts and wouldn't consider themselves a speaker. And I'm like, well, if you're speaking, you know, like three, four times a week, I'm like, that makes you a speaker, but you haven't actually just take on, taken on that identity or even put mm. energy into saying, how can I really make this pay? Awesome. Yeah. The identity is, it's a big part of it. Stepping into that as a as a platform leader of any any type. Um, so how did you how did you come into this? Were you always a speaker? You've got you got such a lovely cadence about you and this and this awesome accent, which is really yeah. endearing. Um, what were you like in speaking for a long time? How did you get into this? Absolutely not. I'd be like one of these people if they mentioned something to do with speaking, I would turn and walk the other way, say I'm not doing it. But uh, when I started my business way back in like 2015, I was a youth worker living in London, making about 30,000 a year. And I had one of those moments where I was just like, there has to be more to life than this. So mm -hmm. cut a long story short, I decided to leave London, move back to Ireland, didn't really know what I was going to do. And then when I moved back here to Ireland, I just fell in love with the beauty and the amazing place, the community, the language, the culture. And more than that, I literally turned into this outdoor adventurist overnight. But what I saw all around me was businesses closing people being really down it was the middle of a recession and i was like oh my god this place is like the most amazing place in the world and even though i grew up there i never saw it through these eyes who had got to see the world and lived in different places so here i was at 36 going i can do something about this i can get some like visitors to come here so my first business eli was i got together with all of the local adventure providers of my local area the rock climbers the kayakers the mountain climbers the hikers and i said let's i'll, I'll go get you guys customers and i just just did it because I saw a way I could help. So I started doing it. And within a year, um, we had hosted hundreds of people in this small town. There were like busloads of students arriving. There was helicopters oh. arriving on a local football field. So it got really big, really fast, but um, big in terms of lots of people coming but not big in terms of me making any money because I just started out as a hobby. Like, here's something cool I can do. I want to make a difference. And then when I decided, when I really sat down and thought about it, I was just like, the questions that I'm getting the most is how did you get those customers? 
How did you make those sales? Where did you find those people? And then I was just like, oh, wow, they don't really know how to get customers. What if I start teaching them how to get customers themselves? And then I ended up with another dilemma because I lived in a really small place. And I'm not joking, Eli, I live in a cottage beside a mountain. Mm-hmm. And there were days where the, the network is so bad here. There were days where I was trying to make sales calls, standing on my windowsill with my phone up like this, trying to get wow. some signal. It was that bad. So I was like, I need to find a faster way to do this. And I knew speaking was a thing because I was starting to like connect with like coaching groups and different things like that. And then I saw an opportunity to speak in my local area. And I was like, I'm going to get on that stage. I don't know mm-hmm. how I'm going to get I'm, I'm going to get on that stage. And I did. I, you know, got the opportunity. Then well, I, how'd you get on the stage? How, how'd well, you get? <laughs> I was literally driving home from a networking event and I saw yeah. the sign and I thought it was like a local business conference, which is so unusual here. And I kind of like braked and looked and I thought, okay, I know, I, I know where that office is of the organizer. So I just turned my car, drove to the office, knocked on the door, introduced myself. And I said, I think I should be one on one year stage on your stage. And he was just like, right. Why? And I, you know, gave him my pitch and he was just like, done. And I was like, wow, okay. So I kind of walked out of the office going, what am I going to talk about? I haven't really thought this through. So cut a long story short, I got an opportunity to speak that day. You know, I'd say if this was the microphone, Eli, show me a marker. If this is the microphone, there was no fancy Mm. stuff. My hand was shaking so badly that I had Mm. to hold the mic against my chin. I was that nervous. So I just so what inspired that, that bold move then? You had never done this. You just said, I'm going to turn around the car and do it, but you had never done it. You were scared. Like yeah. what inspired that? You knew deep down you could do it or like what kind of drives that? Because a lot of people that, um, as you said, are speakers, but they're not doing it. They have fear. They have insecurity. They have doubt. They're stuck. What is it that allowed you to have a breakout moment? Yeah. For sure. And you had a message to share with people. I could see that message. What's the message? At the time I was helping people with with sales. So I could see that people were feeling pushy and didn't want to be salesy. So therefore they were just leaving money on the table everywhere they went and being really polite about it, but not being able to inspire people to work with them. So I started showing people how, why don't you just start inspiring people to make a yes or to say, or to say yes, or to say no to your programs, instead of trying to get them across the line and trying to nail this and nail that Mm -hmm. and like showing people how they could just like get people excited about their offers. So that was my message. And I knew that if I got in front of a room full of people and just made sales easier for them and show them some ways that I was able to do it, that I was going to make a difference from doing that. And of course I wanted clients. I was also very hungry. You know, I had that, I think I had that hunger that uh, uh, Les Brown talks about. You got to be hungry. I I used to do that every single morning before my talks. I used to do that every (laughs) single day. Every day, I listen to that one where I made it an MP3 where he's, you know, in the big arena. Uh, you know, I listened to it with a friend the other day talking about, you know, it, picking up the four tops and driving around and being in that, that studio. You got to be hungry. That's it. So you were, you were hungry. I was hungry. I yeah. was hungry. I was, I, I had a real urgency that people really needed to know this. Like I really, so I the, knew it could make a difference. This is interesting. The urgency wasn't to make money. The urgency was mission focused for impact. Yeah, because there's this, I could see this. It was, it became so apparent to me when I moved home, like just this cycle of financial survival that was all around me. And I was just like, this this doesn't have to be, this, this is not that hard. You know, like we can, we can make this easier. And I really wanted to wake people up. And I actually created a speaking tour shortly after that called Waking the Giants. And it was about waking people up to the possibility of what their businesses could do for themselves, for their lives, for their families. And I got on a real mission about that. 
because it was 26 counties in Ireland. And I said to myself, if I could speak in every county in Ireland, not only that, the biggest reward for me was going to be that I would see every county in Ireland. Because <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, that sounds like the funnest thing ever. And I basically got to see the entire country of Ireland from doing that. So I spoke in 19 counties, which wow. um, I think... Um, that's a really great way to get into the speaking, uh, to, get, to get into momentum with speaking is to choose one track and say, you know what, like, if, like you could speak in every state in America, I know that's huge, but, you know, but to do that and then to be able to say that you did that, what would that be like 52 gigs? That's not that, that's not that many. You've probably spoken all, in all of them already. Or even if you just take, like, I want to speak in every chamber of commerce in the Northwest or something like that. I think if people are trying to get momentum with speaking to choose something like that and then it makes it more about what you're about the mission that you're on as opposed mm -hmm. to this thing that you have to do yeah the the way that we did it is there'd be about a dozen of us and we get dropped off in a city say that tony robbins was going to do a upw in miami or new york or whatever there'd be about a dozen of us in a city and we'd have like certain uh phone area codes that we're supposed to stick to but we got referrals into other areas and initially we were like Navy SEALs, like door knocking, all that stuff and going out there on a mission, you know, bigger than ourselves. And a lot of it too, we wanted to impress Tony. That was certainly it for me, uh, wanting to, you know, be the top on the leaderboard and all of that and going out there with this mission. And we had all gone through an experience. So it wasn't just about making money. Like I had an experience with this man and I mm -hmm. absorbed some principles that I believed lived inside of him. And I spoke with the belief that if you get exposed to the principles inside of this man, mm. your life will become better. And it's so like, mm. I want to expose the world. And so regardless if I ever met Tony or anything, and obviously I, I have at this point, um, but regardless if I never talked to him, I was on a mission to expose people to tools and show them what was possible. And you've, you've done the same thing. Uh, and it's cool. You've, you've got this sense of like, you know, homage to, you know, Ireland and, and you want to see it and all that. When you were, when you were traveling, did, did you get paid speaking gigs to these places? Like, how did that, that work? So like what we did, and I, that's why I'm creating this context. We had people call out for us and I would do like two talks a day, but it was like chamber of commerce, real estate, uh, sales-based organizations. Cause I was selling salespeople. Those were the easiest people for us to sell because they had clear incentive to be better at sales because they were, you know, in communication. So what, how did you kind of contact these people? Like, what was the vision? You, you did one of these things and you said, I'm just going to, you got this dream to speak at all these counties. You call, did you get booked? Was it paid? Kind of walk us through that if you can. Yeah. So I mostly focused on free stages and then I moved then into paid stages. So I would speak on stages where somebody had sold 500, a thousand tickets or, but my favorites were finding small events that had 20 to 30 people. And, you know, th those are my favorites. And I realized that they're all over Ireland. And I was just like, they must be all over the world. So then I started to like, you know, kind of dream. I think that that's, you know, that's what I, I teach this thing in my talent called dream, decide, reside. So you, I, I used to start dreaming about, you know, stages that I wanted to speak on. And then I make a decision that not that I was going to speak on that stage, but that I was going to go to that place. And then when I had the date and it was actually really going to happen, then I started looking for opportunities around that. And then when you're approaching places, instead of saying, hey, do you want to fly me over to Ireland? I was going anyway. So my approach was, well, listen, I'm here in the country anyway. I'm going to be in your area between these dates. 
advice. I'd love to come and do a free presentation for your group if you think that would be a value to them. And I'd say nine times out of 10, people said yes to that. And then I started to see how I could just go around the world doing that. And that's what I did for about three years and literally two years after I discovered speaking. And I would say discovered speaking. I closed about half a million in sales um, from, from free stages and a couple of paid ones, but mostly free. Yeah, so you'd get on a free stage at a company or organization and would you make a direct sale pitch like hey buy my 2k thing at the back of the room or book a call with me what is what is that process yeah predominantly i was offering um a free um a complimentary consultation with me but it was it was really speaking with at the intention of generating leads so i was building my list and the list that I built, I built was amazing because everybody had heard my story, either maybe shook my hand or we even had a drink with after the event. So I ended up with this really um, awesome list. And then I would take um, people that were particularly serious and then we would have a session to see if we were the right fit for each other. And that's mm. how I How long are those sessions that you do? Because that can get time consuming to do all those sessions, I would imagine. Yeah, I did. But the only thing that I was really doing to generate leads was speaking. So I was focused on getting at least two speaking engagements a week. So it really, it really worked out perfectly. And then when it started to get too much, I just changed what I was doing and then started making direct offers. Mm. Yeah. It's when, after I did the event with Tony 2020, you know, when COVID hit, I spoke on that stage, 23,000 people, and it was the first big virtual event. So all the other like, big time coaches, all the eight figure coaches that were in the space, like the biggest names, uh, either called me personally to ask me, you know, some questions about it or asked me to speak at their event. Um, you know, and that, that's how we did, we did seven figures off of, off of that, you know, outside of the Tony thing, just people asked me to speak. And I was, I was voted the top speaker at all the different, um, events. Um, and you know, even some people that you and I know in common spoke on those same stages, but rocked it just added value. And I did in the middle of my presentation, a hard seed where I walk people through how people get in touch with me and how, and how much my course was. And I say, yeah, it's just this. And people get these results. And so people just said, Hey, that thing that you mentioned, can I buy it? And we sent them a link and uh, seven figures later, I was like, well, that was pretty easy through speaking, but I had a direct call to action inside of a story, inside of a case study, inside of a, inside of a training. So it's like kind of meta is how, how we did it. So that's, you mentioned at the, in your talk, um, and I'm, I'm loving just because I know a lot of people listen to this are wanting to influence a much, you know, much bigger way just so they can kind of see the ingredients. You need to have a capacity to reach out to humans yeah. that have groups. You need yeah. to be able to say some things to them to get booked in front of their group. You need to have a signature talk. Mm. You need to have a call to action. You need to have an offer and you got to be able to sell them. So that's, that's kind of the, the moving parts. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And I, okay. I think that a lot of speakers think that they need to have multiple talks. I used the one talk for like the, like almost like three years, because that was, that was my message. Like nothing changed, nothing majorly changed other than the stories I was telling about um, the clients that I had worked with. They just kept getting bigger and better, but more or less. And then I would, I would change. Sometimes people would say, Oh, can you talk about this? Or can you talk about that? I'd be like, yeah, but I would do it as in, I would incorporate it. I would never change my presentation. Okay, and then 
when when I stop saying when when people when our organizers well some organizers just get like they just want no can you talk about this one thing and I'm like yeah I stopped saying yeah I'll put a whole section on it I just started to reference it so you know I I never changed my my presentation which then gives you a chance to get good at one piece of content and then. I think that that's how real momentum starts. I think if you if you trying to come up with different talks all the time, you're kind of like saying like yeah. you know who am I today as opposed to this is who I am and this is where I'm going. Mm. You know, I I want to see your talk. <laughs> sure. I still want to see it. I I want to do. I want to. I'll be in I'll be in London in a couple of weeks, but I'll I'll be over there a lot this year. I'll love to see you live. That's that's super cool. So how did you? What were you doing before? you got into this, this niche. Did you have a business? You had, you were in London, you had moved back. What were you, what were you doing before this? Yeah. So I was a youth worker directly before I moved here. And then I traveled for a while, uh, before that. And then before that, when I came out of college, I was a door to door salesperson. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did that for like a year. Um, it is funny. What, we were, you know, selling? what were you selling? I was, um, and I would say encouraging selling people on a subscription to a charity that was helping animals or helping people in the third world. And mm. I did it for a year and kind of similar, we'd get dropped off in a certain place yep. every day and we'd have a postcode in the street and we would go around and we would speak to about 50. I would speak to about knocking about 50, 55 doors and I'd be looking for like 10 people to say yes out of that. And I got what was your pitch. What'd you say? Do you know what you said? Well, it was like, you know, the first part of it was just smile, eye contact, enthusiasm, like that's all you needed. And I just had that in bucket loads. So mostly yeah. I just stood on people's doorsteps ha having what I call the crack. And the crack means having fun. That's an Irish word. It's yeah. not it's not like narcotics or anything, but I'd stand on people's doorsteps and just, you know, just have fun with them. And um, yeah, I was the top salesperson very quickly. We used to have this bell that we'd ring at the end of every day if we like hit our quota. And uh, yeah, I was seriously ringing that bell every day. And it was so much fun. But I realized mm -hmm. that standing at the, all those all those porches or all those doors, like sometimes the whole family would come out and say, oh, let's hear our pitch, you know, and yep. <laughs> like, OK. And like you would give the whole thing and then, um, you know, give them reasons to buy and give them reasons to invest. But mostly just having fun with people and getting to know them and yeah, telling stories about their neighbors. Let's go. It's a theme in sales training these days. I mean, Old school sales training was like, be super excited and all pumped up. And that with high ticket selling, I think a lot of people have uh, been burnt out with that. So I get asked this a lot, like kind of how should you be? And I'm, you know, I tell people it's like you, I think being overly excited is not good these days, but at the same time, if it's authentic, like it's a superpower and I'm, I'm naturally an excited person. I get like genuinely excited. And I think that um you know there's this this sense of people trying to fake it trying to fake enthusiasm doesn't work i'm um, also people that are excited trying to downplay themselves so neither works it's you know that authenticity and you obviously obviously had that um so that was kind of your first sales gig it was and you know you know what's key about that i think you know I, I believe I have natural enthusiasm, but I have yeah. way more natural enthusiasm if I really believe in something. 
And mm-hmm. I think that's a big problem when it comes to sales, when people don't really believe in what they're doing, don't really believe in what they're selling, or don't believe in believe that what they're doing is right. That if you truly believe in it, that natural enthusiasm, just like, it's just oozing out of you. And I think that's what sells more than anything. And I think that's a lot of the reason why I sold so well when I was doing those doors, because I really believed in it. I was coming out, I was like a graduate of like social care and psychology and like all about helping people. But oh. then when I, when I got to know the company more, I didn't like the ethics that were behind it and then I completely lost any interest I was just like I can't sell this I'm done and I walked away so I think that's the most important thing that and you can't fake that type of enthusiasm because it's coming from your heart then you know you're truly you're truly on a mission yeah yeah it's you know in companies that we we train um and I just posted this last night on Facebook we took a company from 60 grand a month to 2 million a month they just hit last month um, but you know, it's like everybody gets down and, you know, a company person like me is like reading over past testimonials, just getting reassociated to why you're doing what you're doing. If you're in sales or just another door, it can begin to get a little bit non- mundane. Um, you know, when I was even working for Tony, um, I would be at those events at the customer service booth and, you know, Tony's, I think the best, I'm obviously like the biggest Tony fan ever, but some people he's saying the F word a lot. Uh, some people, you know, get a little little hotspot or he's really intense or the room's cold. So we get a lot of complaints. And I realized like the more I was affected or infected by those complaints, it would take away my certainty. And then I wouldn't be as good on the last next sales call. So it became up to me to manage my focus and get myself associated to the bigger mission. Because if it's just another sales call, when we focus on the complaints, because all companies have complaints, uh, everybody in the coaching space, like everybody gets uh, refunds or unhappy clients, like it's, you know, nobody has is 100%. And but you know, it's because and some people are just crazy, like it could be just the person. And so like we it's up to us to keep ourselves fully associated. And so you had this genuine belief in what you were doing. Um, absolutely key. Did you like think on that every day? Or I mean, with the charity, it's obviously you, you have to be connected to it. If your sales aren't, like, if you're not making a, like an average conversion of about 20% and you know what you're doing. And it's like, I, I always like ask my clients, do you really believe in this thing that you're selling? Do you really believe in, you know, the fact that you can really deliver the results that you're talking about? And often, Often, like it will come down to something like they'll say, I don't believe that it's worth the price I'm paying, or I don't believe that, you know, I'm, I'm afraid of this. And then they're usually like, it's just a little tweak. You're like, is that something you can believe in? And they're like, yeah, I can believe in that. And usually that's when people go off and they've had this sales drought and they close five clients in one go. I, that's what I found. That is, that is key. You know, and I think we all lose that no matter how good the product or service is sometimes, even if it's ourselves. And sometimes that's the hardest thing for a speaker, you know, even for myself, when I was selling Tony, I mean, as the best at it, but then when I started selling myself, um, I would kind of collapse and be like, well, you know, for me to come in for a day for Tony, you know, as a trainer, they can send in a trainer, it's 30 grand. Uh, they say, well, you know, but I'll do it for you for 10. Actually, because I'm new, let me do it for five. Actually, you know what? I'll pay you and I'll give everybody free coaching and, and I'll just, you know, maybe a testimonial if you think I'm worth it, but I'll work there. Let, let me pay you. So I just continue to collapse and collapse and collapse when it was me. And I think a lot of us, us do that. You know, it's like we all have our own insecurities and fears. Um, so you, you know, you got into sales. Were you, were you doing selling before? Like what, what was, you know, did you go to university? What did you go to university for? What was it? 
Yeah, I did. I, I did uh, social care, psychology, and criminology of all things. I wanted to save the world. <laughs> and uh, then when I got out of university, I was like, you know, I tried to get all these jobs in the field that I was supposed to work in, and I and I didn't. And that's when I saw a personal ad in a newspaper saying, "Are you enthusiastic and like people?" And all this, and I was just like, "Well, that's me." And that was when I got the door-to-door -door sales job and they never told me what the job was the entire and I kept going but what is the job and then at the last minute it says oh it's knocking on doors and I was just like okay and you know on, I didn't tell anyone in my family for like a year what I was doing and I was driving this brand new car and they were like Morris doing so well but I was just like oh, I don't know if I can say that I'm actually I spent all that time in university and now I'm knocking on doors but I think more than anything I was having the time of my life it was so much fun and for me that was the most important thing yeah, so this, these four levels of influence, it's like how you see influence in the world. But, you know, I want to take a moment and just explore like kind of the level one, your your psychology, because even talking to you now, I mean, you're such a light, you're you're so uh, genuinely heart-centered and enthusiastic and so so fun to just to be with. Um, is Have you always been that way? Like, what do you think? That's just for today. That's just for you just today. Just for today. Just, just for me. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, you know, the, the psychology piece of always being excited. For some people, it's, you know, they do get down. They do get frustrated. Like, what do you do when you get down? Or, you know, even if you're successful door knocking, you don't get 100%. Some people are mean. You, don't, you know, you do get do a lot of re rejection. Like, what, how do you internalize that? What do you make it mean? How do you stay positive in the face of adversity? <laughs> well, I definitely think whatever I was doing 20 years ago is not what I would do today if I felt like frustrated about anything. But um, I, th I think it's really important to focus on the things that I love and the things that work are working because I think it's too hard. It's so easy when you get to a certain level of success to just see how the goalpost keeps moving and to focus on what's not working as opposed to, well, look at everything I've done to get here. So I have to constantly remind myself that, you know, I'm just a girl from a really small town in Donegal who, you know, like got this idea. And then, you know, next thing I'm, I'm traveling the world, speaking on stages and having the time of my life. In fact, and my business is making multiple six figures, like that alone is like such, and there's nobody in my family who's ever done anything like that. So I also have to remember that and I'm all, and always saying, okay, you know, what is, what is the next piece that I need to learn? What is the other part of who I'm becoming? What is the next thing? Because if I can't reach something, then I think that there's something in me that I haven't touched on yet. And I don't know about you, but it's like at every, every, like every two or three months, there's something. So I think that you're, you're, especially if your business is growing fast, that you have to keep looking at the things that have worked, why they mm -hmm. worked. And they worked usually because of who I was being at the time, not because of what I was doing. For your being, not because you're, what you're doing. Or saying that's that's powerful. Do you have do you have a morning routine? What's the first thing you do when you get up? <laughs> so it changes a bit seasonal, so it does. But uh, the what I have at the moment is like I've created my own version of the miracle morning. Um, cause I lo I love waking up um, and having like a miracle morning style ready for me to go. But these days it's more reflective and it's more uh, spiritual than it ever has before. So I'm not doing like, you know, just like affirmations and things like that. I'm actually looking more at my fundamental truths as opposed to saying things that I'm not really, I'm not really sure that I believe in. Like what are the things
things that uh, the opinions I have or the thoughts that I have that are holding me back, I really look at those um, and really, really dig into myself as opposed to somebody giving me, you know, oh, just say this over and over again and see if that works, that kind of thing. So um, I feel like I'm really trying to get to know myself on a more spiritual level these days. And my morning routine is kind of um, is based around that. And that involves yoga, meditation, reading, journaling, um, all that good stuff. But it's my version. Mm, I love it. What did you have for breakfast? Uh, I had gluten-free toast and a boiled egg. <laughs> nice, nice. Hey, you seem pretty, pretty healthy. Uh, so when I mention the word sales or influence, what, how do you see that? What comes to mind for you? Like, what is that? How do you see the process of sales? Like, what is it? What is sales to you? Um, I think that, um, sales is like, you know, find, just finding a place where we can move forward together from. And if I'm speaking to somebody and, you know, they're interested in working with me, um, it's really finding that place where we can kind of take off from. That's what sales is to me. And it's like, you know, they inspire me with the goals that they have. And I spy, inspire them with the possibility to achieve that they can achieve those goals. And that's, mm -hmm. that's really how I've always approached sales. And I, I'm, I'm very, I'm very, if it doesn't feel good to me, as in literally my body doesn't feel good if I'm having a conversation with somebody, then I'm like, you know, this isn't right. But if it, if it's like a, if it's a hell yes, and it's an all systems go like, you know, we're, we're, we're doing this or they're going to have to find a very, very, very good reason <laughs> to not want to do it because I will, I will really want to encourage them and cheerlead and be their cheerleader to make, make sure that they get what they want. And mm -hmm. that if I see, if I see somebody's potential that they can really, they can really do it. Like, especially when it comes to speaking, because people are like, uh, can I really do this? And then, you know, often that's when I get people saying to me, like how much they're speaking already, whether it's in their trainings and their podcasts and their clubhouse rooms, all of those things. And I'm like, well, you're doing it already, you know, but they just don't see that. And I'm like, well, how about we take what you're doing already and we, when we put, we, you get paid for it. And I mean, paid, what I love about the free speaking gig model is that people think it would be awesome to get paid a fee to speak. And it's a dream for many people, like say like Mel Robbins, for example, she gets paid like 55 K to speak at an event for an hour or whatever she does. So I spoke at a, at a summit last year that, you know, had, they were, I was promised hundreds of people and there was like less than 10 people when I arrived mm -hmm. at the gate. And over the course of the last 12 months, that's created six figures for me. And, you wow. know, it's like, that's like being able to share with people that this is what you can do. Then like often I'm just like painting a, painting a picture for people for their own, for, for things that they want to do themselves anyway. Awesome. By, by selling a, a direct offer or an offer from stage for a call, you've, you've made six figures from that engagement. Yes. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. Amazing. And so, you know, you are selling now, not door to door, but at scale. <laughs> events yeah, and, speaking. <laughs> and so you've got, you know, a signature talk and you tell people they can book a call with you. And then what, what is it you offer now? When you speak on stage, you show other people to book on stage. So it's very, Meta, it's like, hey, here's how you can do exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. So I've really moved away from that offer probably for the last like year. And because, you know, I wanted to scale my business. And as you get, you know, as your business grows more, you realize how much more time you want and how much more you value your time. So now I do a monthly challenge 
where um, my offer then on any stage is a ticket to come and spend five days with me. And I don't offer sales calls any anymore, or I don't offer like any of those sessions anymore, unless, you know, I get a referral or unless somebody like finds me and I particularly like them. And I, you know, I want to, I want to share with them what speaking can do for their business, then that's different. But when I'm out there generating leads, I'm generally getting people to my list so that I can then invite them to my monthly challenge, which I think is so important the way the world, the way the virtual world is set up, especially if you're speaking. So you can do all the speaking and all this networking. But then you've got to have ways to expose yourself to the audiences that you're that you're um, adding to your list and these new people. Even with your on your social media, you have posts all the time. I think it's so important to have other ways where you can be um, sharing your content. So that's why having like a monthly conversion event or a monthly um, um, uh, webinar or something like that, I think that's key. And in fact, if I was to look back at one mistake that I feel like I made or a gap that I could have filled earlier on was having something like that, like maybe two or three years ago. And it was on my mind. I just didn't do it. I was busy having a good time traveling the world. So what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Pedro Addo, uh, he kind of reinvigorated this five-day challenge. It had been around for I mean, like since 2016, 2018, Pedro took off and, you know, Myron, you know, some other people have kind of put their own spin on it, you know, and it's really, it's just blown up. It's been a great uh, model. You know, people respond so well to it. It's, it's really great. And then you do a five-day in-person delivery event where you deliver the coaching at that event. So I do my challenge virtually. And then the only, I used to do international retreats before the pandemic. I would Paris, London, New York. And um, now I'm going to do my next, my first one in the last three years is going to be in Valencia and Spain in May for two days. Mm -hmm. So it's like, and then that's for my clients and I'll open up um, a couple of spots then for people who um, I'm familiar with who maybe are not in one of my programs, but no would benefit from it. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Valencia, you get to travel the world all that. Yeah. I'm, I've got, I'm looking at my calendar right now. I'm speaking in April. I'm speaking almost, I think there's five days that I'm not speaking. Uh, wow. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a lot. And I'll be doing the podcast and events and and the coaching calls and all of that. So it's uh, it gets That's busy, but it's so fun. Marathon for sure. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I averaged two seminars a day for 10 years. Incredible. So I'm, I think quicker for me, it's like when I'm out there, kind of like Tony, like I, I go home at night, I'm tired, but then I, I get more creative because I pull, I document experiences and I create content off of that. So, you know, when you actually have a talk, you have to, you know, do things with humans and you generate mm -hmm. more wisdom from that actually being in, in the arena, as they would say. Um, so you show people how to de design their talks. How do you, you know, well, I guess you've been able to, do you have a big team? Because you've been able to scale, which is, you know, we're kind of coming full circle here. You went, you know, how you influence yourself, how you see it, um, what you do with sales, your psychology, how you think about sales. And now you are at scale. You're a leader of leaders, not a leader of leaders, uh, a leader of leaders out there in the world showing people how to do this. Um, do you, you have a pretty simple business and you've done quite well. <laughs> Thank Just you. Just so you, do you have a team? Yes, I do. And I think team was one of the biggest challenges for me. I went through so many uh, VAs, um, just weren't the right match. And then I find this profile test through uh, a group called Genius U. Have you ever heard of Roger Hamilton? I have, yeah. Yeah. yeah so um, I, uh, I did their uh, profile test, which told uh, shows you what type of entrepreneur you are. And I did that. And I was just like, 
oh my God, no wonder this has been so hard for me. And it was from doing that that I then started to look for specific peeps because it gives you like the type of people you need in your team. So when I did that, then I built my team based on um, what I learned from there. And honestly, like I, I've, I've never had a better team. It's never been more organized, like operationally, it's it's just going so smoothly. So um, yeah, that was, that was a big thing. And that's like, was getting past that 300K mark where it was all about team. So I kind of was like, you know, in this like up, down, up, down, couldn't really get past that until I got my team in place. But yeah, it's all, it's all working really well now, thank God. Yeah. How much did you do revenue-wise off your last challenge? Uh, my last challenge, uh, I believe it was 50. And then I got another client on the back of something I posted about it. So it was about 75. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, that's... And that's based on having small, small numbers. So I can't wait until I start to like triple, have triple the numbers so I can help more people and get more people out in stages. Amazing. Yeah, that's... That's awesome. Um, you know, is there anything that I haven't asked you about sales, influence, what you're up to that I should have asked you in this interview? So there's like a message you would like to see out to the world as it relates to speaking, influence, sales, psychology. What would you tell the listeners? Like, what do you feel they need to know in order to just show up bigger in life? Yeah, I mean, for sure, when it comes to speaking, I think people have the tendency to be like, okay, now I'm going to go create a talk and I'm going to become a great speaker. Be like, just start speaking and see that maybe you're not that good, but by speaking as much as possible, you're going to get good really, really fast. Because I can promise you, I was not a great speaker, but I just find I put, put together a piece of content and I just kept rinsing and repeating it and rinsing it and almost then that you're dancing with it. And then that gives you so much more confidence. And the other thing is if you do that and, you know, you get two or three clients from it and you have a 25K offer, then that's like 75 grand. And I guarantee your confidence will explode if you do that. And then you'll be able to find way more stages. So, yeah, I just give yourself a chance to feel like, okay, maybe I'm not great right now, but I, I'm going to get better, better really fast. Especially if you're a savvy entrepreneur, you're already influencing people, like you already have some success. Just believe that you can do this too. Got to get in the game. Where can yeah. where can folks find you? Find out more about you. Uh, kind of see what you're up to. Yeah. So the last week of every month is when I host the Speak More, Make More Challenge. So that's like by far the best way to come and have fun with me and get to know me, especially in the VIP, because we do an hour of additional coaching every day, which is awesome. Um, and then other than that, you can find me on social. I'd love if you uh, wanted to connect with me there. And then if you want to check me out, like what I do in terms of my work, you can look at moira.ie. .ie is for Ireland, by the way. Just Ooh, so everybody Nice. I wouldn't have guessed that. Um, we'll put that all in the show notes for everybody and we'll have detailed notes on this. I took a lot from this. I've got some notes here. Uh, so hopefully this was is valuable for you and you're, uh, you listening and it'll inspire you to speak more so you can make more, go out there and, and share this big message with the world and, uh, be fearless and relentless and share your purpose and, and get paid for it. So, uh, this has been another episode of the Everything is Influenced podcast. Thank you, Moira. And um, to all of you listening, I'll see you again very soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Everything is Influenced podcast. If you got value from this episode, loved what you heard, and you want to go deeper into really understanding the core fundamentals of influence, then I have one more gift for you. I've put together a special training just for the listeners of this podcast that breaks down the four levels of influence and how to start using these tools in your life today. 
If you want that free training, then go to wildinfluence.com forward slash go. That's wildinfluence.com forward slash go. That's wild with an E at the end, then influence.com forward slash go. All you need to do is enter your name, email, and phone number, and we will send that over to you straight away. Until the next time, my friend, this is Eli signing off from the Everything is Influence podcast.